1: The award winning crunch, crunch time. Clever ball to
2: open space. How came out, made the contest, Get him up to my check. A dribble, goal! Splendid, inventive forward play.
3: De over the top to Bobby Hill, needs a bounce, collects it, he's 50 out, he pokes the pass. Elliot, put it in
1: the book, surely. He's a big moment man, Jamie Elliott, and that was a big moment.
2: Bobby Hill floats onto a contest at centre half, four, and he he'll bounce it through for a goal.
3: Bobby's been the firelighter. Some kind of epic mark for Collingwood here to goal. Penalty heads inside 50. Stewart, yes, it might be an epic McCreary goal. Footy goals. goes! Little quick handball, Lipinski to
2: Hill to get him it. Listen to that roar. Get him it. he's got two in the square. Amazing McStay stayed in the gold square, said give it to me
3: young lad and I'll bring the house down myself. Eight minutes gone, third term and the cats not just on the ropes, on the canvas. Yeah, they're hard to stop when they're up and going the cats. Um, you know, they're not the running premiers by fluke. So, um, yeah, we knew what was coming and, and we had to come and you know, fight what the opposition bring but also bring the best version of us. And I, I thought we re-established a yeah, you know, parts of their game tonight, which is, um, you know, really pleasing to wrestle back some the momentum we've lost the last few weeks. Collingwood
2: returns to form in a rollicking affair that showcased the Magpies' most damaging footy, restored some of their DNA and revealed the fine line of injury in August. Quickly Smith on the flyby, delivers up in the Jeremy Cameron direction, he marks and plays on, and he will trickle home... Yet another seven for Jets.
4: Seven goals, four. No, no, I just think it's a really logical answer to say we've got two games to go um, and we think we can play well enough to beat any team in the comp when we play our best. So it's kind of like, well, what what would be the other answer? We're just not going well enough. Is that what you want to hear? Uh We just don't think we're going well enough, so we'll throw the towel in. Do you tell me what you're after and I'll give it to you. Yeah, so I'll repeat it. I I think that we can play well enough to win the last two games and play in the finals, but I don't know. I'm I'm an optimist. A
2: seven-goal haul for Jeremy Cameron included some reinvention of the out-of-bounds conventions, but it still wasn't enough for Geelong to avoid the point of no return hoping to get the cap on the shoulder, um, which I didn't get, I got off another year, and that made the decision really hard, but um,
4: you know, fortunate to be in the position to make that decision, but I think when I walked away and reflected on that, I, I knew my time was probably up. But I felt I lost my hunger once I returned. My perspective in life was too great. And then when I fell out of the senior team, I struggled to have the motivation or drive to get back in. That's when I knew it wasn't fair, on myself, or you blokes that I continued on next year?
0: Uh, I know within myself uh, it's certainly the right decision and um,
2: to go out playing uh, football that's still good enough at AFL level, uh, that, that excites me and, and that makes me pretty happy.
5: Someone that led with love and empathy uh, and helped and be part of an environment where people
1: could flourish and absolutely be themselves, that's what I'd love to be remembered for.
2: And the parade of champions leaving the game grows as retirement plans are confirmed. The final bows start today as Ben Cunnington says goodbye to North Melbourne. This is the Round 22 edition of Crunch Time. It was everything that you could ask for from a Friday night. A rollicking good game. It's lit the conversation which will rage throughout the day. And there's a couple of vacancies in the umpiring fraternity. Maybe we could hold a talent audition or something out the front of SEN or maybe there'll be a public stoning at Federation Square. I'm not sure which way it will go, but it does sort of beg the question. Imagine if Collingwood had got overrun. I'm not sure there would have been a town left for us to wake up in today. Jared Waitley with you for crunch time. The Berwick Motor Group visits Berwick GWM, Havel, and Test Drive, the GWM Canon CC, part of the Berwick Motor Group, and Ozito powering DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. David King, hello. I'll
1: tell you what, Jared, it'll be popular. I know that. I know. You get a crowd down there, bring your own tomatoes. Just before the Matilda's game, maybe <laughs> maximize it. Uh, they've had a poor year, Jared. They really have, and it's been highlighted last night. It's some shocking that the, to not recall the first bounce of the third term is, is, is disgraceful. You got a one-point game, so much at stake, and you basically gift Jordan De an express centre bounce clearance. That that's that's not right. Um, forget the out of bounds stuff. I mean, oh, we won't. I, <laughs> no, no. I mean that, but that moment swings a game swings a game. I mean the game was the game was decided when Jeremy was kicking from outside the boundary. But that that shifted momentum. We talk about momentum every week. Every Monday morning I sit with you and we talk about when team's are gonna run, how hard they are to stop. You can't put a man behind the ball anymore at the center bounces. There's so much you can't do. And then we allow that to roll. I think it's a really big talking point. I know we're, it's a little bit sort of dusted over last night, but that's a big that's a big action. In the context of the whole season it's a big action. They they had to, Geelong had to find a way to 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 get Collingwood to play tight in that last sixty minutes, and they gave up that right through no no uh, fault of their own in the first twenty seconds.
2: Luke Hodge, as entertainment goes, it, it was off the
6: charts last night. It was, and I think that's the disappointing part. With a few questionable umpiring decisions, that's what we're talking about, rather than. The ebbs and flows of a of two very competitive football teams um, I I've, I've thought that we saw more cracks for Collingwood early in the game with how Geelong were moving the ball they took a leaf out of hawthorne's book the week before by making him defend they were they were happy to drop off um, Geelong were moving the ball at, at ease but then said it must have been a pretty inspiring speech at quarter time uh, from wereray because they they tighten up and they played the football that, that we expect Collingwood to play but Tell you what, someone who caught my eye, Josh Dacos, sitting out in that wing, I'm not sure how Geelong allowed him to have so much space. He 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 wanted to play the closest to the boundary, uh, and he was allowed to do that. And he had, what, he had 36, 37, and and he's just too good of a player to, to be given that much time. Did
1: Collingwood set a few things right, King? Oh, they they just had to win. I, I don't even know if it was about setting it right last night. They they spoke about, in the pre-match, getting their, their pressure back and their hunger back to outnumber, but... If you want to talk about their game specifically, I thought Collingwood won in spite of their midfield last night. They were humbled in the middle of the ground. And they've got some problems in there that they need to open their eyes to and address. And some of them are their top liners that are just going through the motions at clearance. Penderbury's lost a yard. And you can, you can fight as much as you like that it's not a real issue. But every time you see him at a centre-bounds clearance, it is one metre, two metres, three metres to his opponent in a heartbeat. And it was evident last night, and people talk about Patrick Dangerfield. Oh, he's this powerful guy, but yeah, Patrick hasn't been that player for a little while, and it just looked—it looked twofold last night. It was Bender was issue? Matching Dangerfield, just getting going. So it was—it was—it was evident for all to see. Uh, so their clearance game's a problem. If they play Melbourne and play that exact performance against Melbourne in the final, they get beat by eight goals because Melbourne are a different beast in the middle of the ground. Um, Dangerfield didn't have a lot of support in there last night I didn't feel at at absolute clearance Um, But their back line I look at Markov, he's become a really important player for them Crisp down back, noble Quayner is almost an elite player in our competition right now No one really talks much about him They lost more and Murphy stood up terrifically And I think it highlighted the off season It's a full club thing winning a premiership Frampton, Hill, McStay and Markoff, they're all going to be major components of what they do, all four acquisitions last year.
6: I think um, we, we found out the mindset between the the Collingwood coaching staff. As soon as uh, Moore went down, I was thinking Howell has to go straight back. That's the first move I thought that the Fly would have made is to send the, the normal defender, your next leader, down back. But he's trying to figure out that forward line. Uh, Johnson goes out. He wants to see if Howell can be down there to have that X-factor a bit of input going into the finals. And as you said, Frampton stood up, took the role, uh, and the leadership shown by a lot of the other guys in and around there. Murphy was excellent directing and, and telling blokes what to do. Every time they lose someone, Collingwood, they seem to step up. Someone will stand up and, and put their hand up and say, I'll lead or I'll, I'll fill the gap that that's just been lost. We'll
2: go deep on the game and all the different individual performances in it. So it's a busy morning on the news front, though. Sam Edmund, hello. Jared. just great entertainment last
7: night. I loved it from even before the start when Craig McRae said on Fox, they were going to bring the heat, and I hope Chris is listening. I love that. <laughs> then all the injuries, then the boundary line that would appear to be loosely applied now. The behinds that were were goals, we'll get to that. And then Chris Scott's oh, tense post-match press conference. Loved it all. Loved it.
2: All right, so let's do the boundary side of things first, shall we? Well,
7: the AFL have just come to the party, Jared, All with right. their shall adjudication. We, let's
2: hear from the coaches, and then you can give us the formal explanation.
3: Yeah, I did. I did see that on the big screen. Yeah. No, I didn't think I need to make a comment. The crowd were going alright, weren't they? What, what can we do about it, really? Oh, actually, I, actually, might be worth asking the AFL, they, they can all see it on the screen. Do they have the ability, I don't know, the do they have the ability to look at the replay and say, oh no, that's definitely out of bounds, I'm not sure if they do, do they? Only for goals. Um, it is what it is. Yeah, we make mistakes. i made plenty in the last few weeks and we, we grow. Um, can't do much better.
4: I actually didn't see it, um, hand on heart, um, but people that know the game well say that it wasn't outside the boundary. What did you think? Did it you watch in replay? the replay last quarter when Brad Close to him? But he was clearly outside the boundary. Was the ball outside the boundary? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's. You must have a different view to some of the other people that know the game well that said it was. not I haven't looked at it. But
2: what's the actual? verdicts, <laughs> These were absolutely self-evident, so I'm looking forward to how okay. the Politburo has gone with it. I them.
7: think you'll be entertained here, to be honest, Jared Kingy and Hodgie. So the AFL have confirmed. The fourth quarter, Cameron goal. This was the close handball out of play, confirming an error by the umpire. Out of bounds should have been called. So, um, clearly came beyond the boundary line, didn't it? The handball from close to Jeremy Cameron, who finished spectacularly, but that should not have been allowed. So the AFL put the hand up and say that was umpire error. However, Third quarter, Jeremy Cameron Mark, and you know the one where Braden Maynard loses his mind. The AFL is saying, while the broadcast angle looks out of bounds, an additional angle points to Cameron taking the ball on the line and hence controlling the ball on the line. The umpire's in the best position to make the call, and they've provided a split-screen broadcast angle and an alternate angle as evidence that the ball is in fact in Jared. Now I haven't the pushed the, film. This is not good, uh, good radio. But I'm just pushing play on this for the first time now. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, <please>. that's <laughs> it. I'll, I'll post it on Twitter as soon as I can. But yeah. um, that's where the AFL sit on both of those. I'm just flicking through this statement now as we as we speak. So, so we,
2: we had our commentary box sits above that line, and we all have a perfect angle of it, separate to television. Um, yes, angles. you did. That ball was out of bounds okay, in well, real time. The <laughs> AFL
7: stadium, sorry King, out of bounds should be called when there is a quite unquote clear gap between the boundary line and the ball. The difficulty of decisions involving the curved boundary line should not be underestimated. And this in, in this instance we back the umpire that the correct call was made. Please see the split screen broadcast angle and alternate angle that I just showed you that you <laughs> appeared to be unconvinced <laughs> by.
2: What was closer, Wayne Harms or that one? <laughs> The, the, the boundary umpire was three meters away from it, and it was breathtaking that he came up with the decision that he did. And they're going to fall in behind him. It doesn't change the fact that it was an error. And and so we have there are two big errors. Boundary umpire right on the spot appears to either lose his bearings or freeze. The AFL is going to walk past that one. The other one is everybody knows in real time that you can't do this, and yet the umpire who's charged with the responsibility seems the only one who doesn't go to the whistle.
1: So. Do you think the, the review system should should be available for anything that impacts scoring?
2: No, I don't because I watch that in other sports and it doesn't it, it introduces a whole different set of problems. But it solves that one. Well only well so the AFL is saying that the ARC would not have overruled yeah. the one in the left forward pocket. They've got
1: Dennis Denudo involved in too. I agree,
2: but if you if you take that as the arc vision they would come back and say, "No, we're gonna, we're not going to overrule that." Mm. Um, and the other one is just like the umpire on the spot has to know the law. So,
6: do we do we just sit back and take the same point of view as what Fly said after the game? He goes, "We all make mistakes. Everyone's everyone's human." The umpire clearly made a. A massive mistake then but it's no different than missing a holding the man or, or a dropping the ball in front of goal you look at a Zach Bailey down in Geelong last year that was clearly holding the ball we were up in arms about it the next week it's like well umpire made a mistake they miss him here and there this was a blatantly obvious one obvious one but we can't do much about it you're not going to change a rule on that because I, I agree you can't go and stop and call every decision that should or should not be paid for them to overrule and change the result it's only a score line and that's that's why it's the game moves on faster. We sit here for 10 seconds waiting for a review and go, this needs to be faster. If we do this every time the decision is incorrect to be overruled, it's going to be a boring long game. It's going to zap the energy of, of what is such a up-tempo game of football. Well, it,
1: in this instance, it wouldn't change the game because it just would be out of bounds and you get a stop play anyway.
6: Yeah, but you, you've got so to go back and you've got to review it, and it'll take. If you do one, you have to do them all. And if we go through and review every bad decision or every wrong decision, no, where is no, the one?
1: Well, just the ones where the game stops. I think is a starting point. If the game is 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 on pause anyway, what what's it, it would be three. It would take five seconds to do the Hamble one. Well, five seconds. No,
2: because the you'd be doing it after the goal had been signalled. So you would so be winding goal, backwards. It hasn't happened in. So that yeah. the close hand pass yep. to Cameron yep. then leads to play, and then you would be yep. erasing Which that play. Which we do. We
1: sort of half do now. It, like the, the touch point where they go back to the middle of the ground, and we're about to bounce the ball. We come back and we take the kick out. Yeah, we do it now anyway. But
2: this one's a different one, as you're not actually looking for a was it this or was it that. It's just the misapplication of the law. That, but it's that's a massive what, error. It's a massive error. If it
1: cost if it cost Collingwood top spot, I don't think Fly would be saying the same thing today. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So how far? So I think the NRL ruins its game by winding further back and further back and further back on every scoring play, and then they find something that they weren't even looking for, and will will overrule something. Is that? Are you actually advocating for that?
1: Anything that affects scoring needs to be right.
2: So everything affects. Not, scoring. Well, not, so, not, not, not so everything. So tell does. me. So what about the 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 moment you used at the start of the program? The the bounce that's not recalled. So that's a straight play down the ground that no, leads to I think to a that's score. an
1: interpretation of an event. I'm happy with that. But if there's a blatant error, like someone's played on out of bounds, uh, I think you can... The world would live with that one being overturned. The world would live with, hey, Jeremy Cameron marked that four rows back. The world would live with that. We shouldn't... Re- it's not, I don't think if you miss a free kick, we should be reviewing it. Or if you pay one... Um, that that you t- you pay for too high, and it's not. It's proven that it's not too high. I don't think we review those. Just so what about errors. Hodges
2: one last year? The um, the holding Zach the Bailey. ball that was missed to Zach Bailey.
1: No, I, th- I think if you if you you got to go with the umpires' call there. But the ones that are blatantly outside, where the game's effectively on pause, the game's Mate, on pause
6: for that. We we've got to trust the umpires. He made a mistake. The, the Zach Bailey one last year. Blitzoff tried to fend off got dumped hold the ball. Everyone who knows AFL said that was holding the ball, a clear decision. This is this is what we're saying is both of them are wrong decisions and we move on. We we, we trust the umpires are going to make a better decision next time. But as soon as we start to change the rules for this one, but not that one, it's a can of worms. And, and where do we stop? That, that's the hardest thing. If once we change it for, for one rule of a handball, it's out of bounds. Where, where do we stop? There's going to be so much interpretation and, and people are just going to get frustrated. And the more that we delay and hold the game, we, we don't have the patience, Kingy, to sit back and review 15 of these a game or five of these a game. We do a couple of scores, and, and once the score review is over 10 seconds, we're sitting here going, hurry up, get it done, let's get the game yeah. going. I, I, just I understand that...
1: what you're saying, but I think the white lines around the boundary are pretty obvious. They're a pretty obvious calls.
6: <laughs> Not last night.
1: No, but on a review, they are. <laughs> on a review, they're very obvious calls. They're obvious calls. I, 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 interpretation of you know holds and two highs and all that sort of stuff, I'm happy to live with that. But when the white line's involved, it's a pretty easy thing to, to so assess. In that
6: case, then the mark with Jeremy Cameron, we'll have to go back and wait and review that to see if that was a clear mark or not because it's involved, that white line yeah, that you're talking about.
1: 100%. percent it would take, take 30 seconds for a logical individual. And I know but we the, just got an
2: answer from the arc saying no, that they not, would have let it stand.
1: No, no one's believing that. They're better off saying it's an error and we move on. So now they we're fight calling these them things to well, <laughs> Hodgie, when you see the vision, you will call them a liar.
6: Get that shuffle out, mate. You're digging. What do you mean? Digging deeper.
1: <laughs> I don't think anyone in the world thinks that was a mark. Do you think, um, do you think that was a mark, Hodgie?
6: Uh, it, it did look out from where, from where I was. Did but you if think you it was it, a mark, you, if, It looked out from where I was. But if you listen to the AFL who've come with their answer, they are backing the decision. So even though we, as you said, if it's a clear understanding, if it's a clear mark or not, we're, we're not clear with that one. We're all clear with the Jeremy Cameron, the handball receive, but we're not. So we're still sitting here after... What is it? Where was it a game ten hours ago, and we're still here questioning. Was it a mark? Wasn't I, I it? The AFL have come out and said yes, and we're still sitting here going, mm, it "Did look out from the ankle that we had." We we all know the umpires
1: are support are getting the support of the AFL. That that's all they're doing today. There's not one person think that's a mark, even though they've put this message out. We we all know that. To to think that that's a mark, or to say we won't have a look at an alternate view because we're going to support an umpire in this instance, I think is wrong. I think you're just better off having a look at it and being. Sensible about it.
6: Should. I want to hear from the uh, umpire's advocate. Sammy, what's your thoughts? You're, you always support the umpires. <laughs> oh, come
7: on, don't buy into Kane's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm happy to provide benefit of the doubt when I think it's there. Now, obviously, the close-to-camera one's cut and dry. No one in their right mind would argue with that. I did say coming in prior to going on air this morning that I thought... You could at least debate the mark out of bounds because the broadcast angle isn't ideal, and that was all that I was privy to. So I was pretty keen to get a better look at it, just to see, in fact, if the whole ball was entirely across the line. So I think there was an element of grey there. Jared was in a better position than me on the night. He's not having it for a moment. I'm not sure if the alternate vision we've just been supplied by the AFL clears it up either. <laughs> but at least I think you can debate that one. The other one's just a blatant error. And just with Dave Roden at the end, does a magnificent oh. job, Dave. Oh, my man. But the, the kick after the siren I've just got to – what happened there? So he signalled behind. Behind. he's put the arm on the chest, but then he's given the sort of slow-mo double-finger salute and then... Yes, that's all clear. It's
2: a goal. What he got sort of caught it? halfway between. I love it. Oh, did I just signal a bind oh, and no. then sort of paused his
1: downward motion oh, and then signal to goal? It's could very be a, confusing. Do you like it though? I like <laughs> the new theater. move. I like the new move. <laughs> you, you like that technique? I don't like you? the technique. I think we could look at it.
2: <laughs> and what, build it up. <laughs> what I would like to know is: should descent have been paid against Braden Maynard? Oh, <laughs> could uh, you imagine? So I. Game management, I think the field umpire did a really good job here. He knew that an error had been made. And rather than compound the error by paying fifty for descent, he just sort of looked the other way.
6: No, nah, Jared, I understand where you're coming from, but you can't. They cannot pay a descent free kick for the rest of the year. I
2: think they
7: can. If, if you've got oh, two players sure there, pretty sure they will. Who,
6: and he was—you could hear through the umpires' mic how loud he yelled just after he did everything but point up at the uh, up at the big screen and say, "Look at that!" <laughs> and we know what would have happened if—if if that or oh, it may have happened—we're not not sure these days. But I don't think the umpires can now pay another descent because it's frustrating. And as close it was to being out and the players there believe that it was out, descent is descent. And if we're gonna go back and look at that, it, i I feel for the next umpire who has to play Descent and what, what what he is going to do because that was a clear one.
2: What do you know about
7: Darcy Moore, Sam? Look, it looked alarming, didn't it, when he grabbed at that left hamstring while running early in the game. To the eye, it looked like a classic two to three weaker hamstring. But Collingwood immediately, via their social media page, called it hamstring tightness, Jared And then Craig McCrae used words tight and neural after the game. So they're optimistic that this will be a short-term problem um, rather than a long-term one. He will be scanned, of course. Uh, have to be a week or two at least, you would have thought. But there was a, a lovely moment with Jack Ginevan that was captured by cameras at quarter time. So clearly Darcy Moore the captain is about to be subbed off. Has been Jack Innovan waiting so long. I think that shows you what sort of captain Darcy Moore is to put his obvious disappointment and frustration on one side, put his arm around a teammate who's been on the outer for so long, but the injury will be a period of time out for
2: Darcy Moore, no doubt about that. What sort of dread did you feel when that happened, Luke?
6: Well I think when you when you look through Dacos last week Um, And then they lose. So the best midfielder, they lose their best defender and and skipper. And then at a stage there, we thought that uh, Degoe had hurt his hamstring as well when he flew for that mark in the first or second quarter. So I'm sitting here going, is that the end of their season? But I I did laugh when... um Graham Wright was very stern when he was interviewed at, at halftime about it was just tightness, and then I think Abby went again. He goes, "No, it was just tightness." Darcy did uh, open up after the game and said that he's not great watching, and he's not sure how he's going to go watching, so he's conceded that it's going to be a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. I just I've never known many hamstrings to be rested for a couple of weeks for, for just tightness. It's normally a strain or a tear in there that, that gets you a couple of weeks off.
7: Yeah, we'll get some clarity on that shortly. But uh, just with Dagoe, they're working on his groin as well for Tom, Clearly played on sore, as Craig McRae admitted. And then we had the pair of cats injuries as well to Gary Rowan, who was subbed out with that hip groin issue. And Reece Stanley, who was really sore in the second half, didn't come off until late in the piece with the same injury. So there, there's definitely doubt around those two for next week.
1: We talked about this on Monday. This, this is the time of year we your strength and conditioning department, your phys edders. You work out whether you've got cutting edge or you've just got also rants. And you pay the big dollars for the, for the top the top liners to manage a Dacos so that you can, you've had the option to bring him in for the first final, to manage Darcy Moore so that you have the option. But, but, but absolutely no risk, obviously. Um, but you've got to trust in the end their opinion. Yes, he's medically right to go. Yes, he's ticked every box. You can't have the Clayton Oliver situation happening now if that happens to Darcy Moore. it's it's It really jeopardises your opportunities um, to win the Premiership because they're just going at the moment, Collingwood. They're just going. So, they need all the stocks available when the, when the whips are cracking.
2: It's a game that offers us so much to, to pull at the threads of. We'll continue to do that. And Jack Crisp is going to join us shortly. You're listening to Crunch Time for Azito. Azito powering DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings.
8: You're listening to Crunch Time. Time. Zito Power Tools. German design quality and innovation powering DIYers. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. A great play from
7: Friday Night Footy. For Luxus Grates. The leaders in aluminium drainage, UV stable, rust proof and customisable on site. Luxus Grates. Distributed Australia-wide.
2: Fed the hand pass forward to McStay. Got it back sharply to Lipinski. Kicks to the full forward. It's off to the left. pitched on its oh. point. Stayed in. Oh, got <laughs> run down by Radigalia. Still finished off by Adams. Some splendid
8: play in the goal now.
2: Luxus Grates, the leaders in customisable aluminium drainage. She was an eventful night at the MCG from start to finish. Collingwood by eight points over Geelong. One of the prime movers for the pies is Jack Crisp. Jack, great to have you with us on Crunch Time.
5: Thanks for having me, boys. Hope you're well.
2: We are, we are. How, How do you reflect on it the morning after? It was a hell of a night.
5: Yeah, no, it was really good. Um, it's obviously fantastic to have uh, so many people there in the crowd. But, um, yeah, we knew it was going to be a great game. Um, you know, a lot on the line um, for Geelong especially. But, uh, yeah, we needed to find some form again. And, yeah, we were able to put to put a bit of a good performance together.
2: Did you answer a few of the questions that, that were asked internally during the week?
0: Uh,
5: yeah, we had a, probably just a real simple focus, to be honest, and bring back, um, like, our pressure game come back to a bit of our DNA um, and like precious our one wood. So we wanted to make sure we bought the heat um, and obviously the, the scoreboard can tick over in our favour if we are, if we are doing
6: that. How much did you focus through uh, that Hawthorne game last week? Cause they, they came up with a tactic to just pierce their way through your zone. It looked like you guys were zoning a lot of space, but not manning up when you needed to. How much was that focused on? Cause it seemed like after quarter time you, you really improved in that area.
5: Yeah, well that was a probably a big um focal point throughout the week as well. Um we had uh like a, bit of a strong review, I guess, on the team defence on side of things. Like yes, it's all well and good to, you know, get into position, but then you know, it's another stage to communicate with the people around you, be a bit physical, be on your toes, energetic, ready to come forward and take out those shorts. last week, yeah, we were just kind of folding back a bit too much and giving up all those easy short kicks. And then, yeah, Does same it, with the
6: first quarter as well, John pulled those three-quarter kicks. Does it surprise you, you, throughout the year you've had so many injuries, but blokes continue to stand up. You look at last night, Darcy Moore went out, and other blokes filled the void again. Does it surprise you, the resilience of your football club, and how it doesn't matter who you lose, you you, back, you go back to playing the same old football?
5: Uh, man, it doesn't so much surprise us, or surprise me anymore, to be honest. I think... Um, a lot of guys have really tipped into knowing uh, multiple roles um, and we pride ourselves on being quite versatile. So I think like cause in football, obviously, as you know, you can get caught out of your primary position plenty of times before. Um, so you've just got to be able to play different roles when when required. Um, and, yeah, lucky we had um, Billy Frampton come in. He was actually going to play a bit of a forward ruck role for us. But obviously, as Darcy going down, he had to come down back um, and be our key defender. So, yeah, we're able to moved his
6: a little bit um, and yeah, still able to play really well. You had a, uh, a sub in, in Jack Ginevan last night. He obviously had to go back and, and do a fair bit of work at, at reserves before he, he got his game again. He came on, he, it seemed like he sparks the crowd. Whenever he whenever he comes onto the football field, he got to the right spot. That second quarter when he replaced Darcy Moore, he gave you guys a bit of a boost and you sort of got a bit of momentum from that. And he, had a, he had a fair game for first game back after a while.
5: Yeah, no, I agree with you. He, um, he had... Quite an impact, which was pretty good. Like He'd been chipping away, um, obviously, for a while now in the BFL on the board. Had been playing some great football, just buying his time. And then, yeah, got his opportunity last night. You can tell he grabbed it with two hands. He set up, I don't know how many goals it was in the end, but he played really well, attacked the ball really hard. Um, yeah, and then played the team first football, gave ourselves best shot um, yeah, and helped impact the scoreboard. So, yeah, really, really pleased with his performance.
1: Jack, where are you playing at the moment? Where do you like playing? You've been mid, you've been back, you've been everywhere. I, I just thought last night your, your back line was as good as I've seen it on counterpunch for a long time. I know you've had a bit of a lull over the last month or, or so of football, but last night it was, it was express out of the back line.
5: Yeah, well, I have been playing everywhere, but that's all right. We've got, um, as I said, different guys that play different roles and whatever that's required for, for the week, we'll get, that, get the job done. Um but yeah, it was really good. Like we've we're generally okay at bouncing off turnover and stuff like that. But um, yeah, having some run with John Q, um, Oleg Markov and myself, which is was pretty good. Um, felt like we could get a bit of speed on the ball because um, we they did um, send a few forwards like and midfielders uh, midfielders get forward um, early to the ball, so we had to be careful of that. But um, yeah, when we get a bit of speed on the ball, it's where where we can link up with hands and kind of access our forwards at the back. So the fast live play is, uh, is probably, yeah, one would, I would say. Do you think you will play with Jeremy Howe down back
1: again for the rest of the year? Because mm-hmm. he looks like he's uh, he's made the transition. He doesn't want to be part of the uh, the men's department down back anymore. He's, he's going up to the Showtime City.
5: <laughs> yeah, no, I think he really enjoyed kicking a few goals the other week. So, um, yeah, he's definitely getting his turn to lick the ice cream. Um, but it just changes the dynamic, I guess, as well. It gives us another presence up forward, um, especially for someone like him where he can actually take the strong contested mark as well and then play a bit of a defensive shutdown role. So if it gives us that versatility to change things up when necessary to help us get the win, um, he's happy to play that role as well.
7: Uh, Jack, Sam Edmund here. Appreciate your time this morning, mate. I was keen to ask you about Collingwood's stoppage game, your clearance game. Uh, Has that slipped? Is it something you're aware of or conscious of or or are you happy enough when, you know, the rest of your game is in order?
5: Yeah, well, we do focus on a few different parts. Like, obviously, we want to be a forward territory team and that obviously starts with with the stoppages. I think the first quarter we got smacked in clearance. Um, That resulted in, obviously, Geelong around the territory and then putting the scoreboard pressure on. We're able to turn the tables a bit, maybe second or third quarter. Um, But, yeah, we do kind of pride ourselves on it. Obviously, centre bounce is a big focus throughout the week. But, um, yeah, around the ground, stubby stuff hasn't been too bad. And you... um, But, yeah, it all started at the source.
7: Sorry, mate. I was just going to ask you if you, you're clear where the boundary line is. I mean, that Jezza Cameron mark, you wouldn't have had a problem with that, would you, in the third quarter?
5: <laughs> yeah, I was a few blokes had something to say about it at the time. But, um, obviously, you can't change the decision. But it is what it is. And, yeah, GZ kicked some good goals from the boundary, didn't he? He did. He did. What
2: he... was it, the source of some mirth in the rooms afterwards? <laughs> Was that, sorry? Was it the source of some discussion and mirth in the aftermath? In the aftermath?
5: Uh, not from my end, but probably after the game, I said, I said to him, you a couple of nice goals with the band you there, but he was just kind of laughing. Uh, but it was, all, it was all good fun. Like, yeah, We happened to get the win, which is what we came there for. Um, he, Jeremy obviously played really well, put us under the pump a fair bit of seven goals, I think it was. So, yeah, it was a great game all around.
1: I think the big question for us on the outside looking in, Jack, is what? what is What is this win? Is this a win to stamp, yep, we're back and we're rolling again, we, we're gathering for a, for a real tilt in September, or was it just one of those wins you just had to have and don't read too much into it?
5: Uh, well, I think we may have had a bit of a form slump, obviously, but I think we're just kind of rediscovering our DNA a little bit. Um We're a pressure and fight and forward territory team, so hopefully you'll see that over the next couple of weeks. Just kind of coming back to ourselves and uh, making sure we're continually trying to get better Um, because there's obviously all facets of the game you can grow in, Um, but we're just trying to get back to consistent four quarters of football uh, where we uh, put the heat on the opposition and really get the ball going forward our way. So last night was probably the first step getting back to that kind of football, Um, Yeah, but hopefully you'll see it continue through the next few weeks.
6: Uh, leading into last night's game, Isaac Quainer had lost three 1v1 battles for the year, which is unheard of. Is he as annoying to train against? Is he as competitive as training as what he is in a game?
5: Yeah, he uh, he tips in a fair bit to his football. He's, he's very strong. He's quick. His repeat effort, sprint meters and stuff that he puts on the GPS as well is quite um, quite strong. So he's, he's definitely one that's hard to match up against. Um, but he yeah, always gives his all. So it's great to have him part of the team and love playing with him. Hate to play against him.
7: Jack, I probably should ask you about your captain and how he might be getting on. I know you're not in the medical department, but uh, he would know his body better than anyone else. Eddie, are you optimistic, or is he optimistic that it's short-term rather than long-term?
5: Yeah, from what what I gather, he's he's pretty optimistic. It's more of a cautionary approach, I think, um, given, like, obviously, he has has had a few hamstrings in the past. So you'd you'd better, you know, come off and get subbed off where you can before pushing through it, especially this time of year. I would rather... Obviously, have him out for one or two instead of five to six. So, yeah, fingers crossed the scan goes well, and obviously we'll probably hear about that later today
8: or tomorrow.
2: We'll all wait to hear. Jack, terrific to have you with us. Good luck for what's to come in the remainder of the season.
5: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Jack
2: Crisp there from the Pies, who have locked in their top two position with that win last night. Uh, We're going to go deeper into the game
8: itself with David King and Luke Hodge next on Crunch Time. All day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group.
3: Now, we, we, we spoke about it pre-game about, um, you know, Friday night footies. Lots of people watching and we want everyone to see how good our pressure is. And, um, yeah, that was the focus all week. Get back to what we do. And, um, yeah, I thought for most of the I think pressure was over too for most of the night. Last quarter was slightly down on that, but, um, yeah, I think we've re-established that uh, we're one of the best pressure teams in the comp. Just.
2: Craig McRae with his assessment of last night for crunch time for Azito, powering DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. Luke Hodge and David King to turn their analytical minds to what transpired. So let, let's dig deep on Collingwood and and what we're seeing, not just last night, but in their in their trending towards September. King?
1: I thought it was an excellent performance from their... Any, anything centre-back? I thought was terrific. Um, as Jack said, they bounced the ball out of their back line. They kicked nine of their 16 goals on counterpunch. Uh, they got wild cards down there. Then Quaynor is has become an elite defender in the comp. They, they covered the loss of Darcy Moore, which is not easy to do, from, even from an emotional point of view. Hodgy in-game when you, you lose someone of that ilk from your team. You see him going off the ground with a hamstring. You know it's a hamstring. He's told the group that at the break. Um, so I think sometimes that can be a challenge in that given game. But I thought, I thought Crisp, Noble um, and Markov I really want to give a rap to because he's been on the edges of this team for a little while and I think his speed is, is absolutely critical to, to not just offence but the way he, he, he's, he's bought into a defensive plan. If their pressure can be like that, they can hold up down back. So their swarming out number needs pressure. Because as soon as the opposition find that easy first marking target, they can leapfrog them quite quickly and quite easily, which we saw at both ends of the ground really. Walk in goals um, across the first three quarters of that game. <clears throat> so, so I I loved Collingwood centre back, and I think they have found their forward six. I, I think that's it. That's what we're looking at. I think Howe now completes this forward line.
7: So they are wedded to Howe forward. You I always think?
1: thought it was the wild card they'd pull in the back half of the year. I so think you need a you need a change. I'm interested in your thoughts on this, Hodgie. I think when you look at the last five to six years, most teams have bought in either a wild card talent late in the piece to give a spark or change the way they play late in the piece or done something to provide an injection of a, a, a freshness and enthusiasm to the group. I think how going forward is the logical matchup for the opposition interceptor? Because that's how he plays. He understands as an experienced player where they're trying to drop off to. And we saw him just defeat mm. Radigalia in the air multiple times. We saw him trying to get to Stewart, yeah, you know, multiple times. He got off him a couple of times early and just didn't quite finish his work. But I think that's their forward six now.
6: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, uh, Kingy, with the the pressure in and around the ball. Where they'd been where they'd fallen down the previous few weeks and and Jack Chris mentioned just before was their attention to detail on the defensive end. What Hawthorne did uh, was able to pierce through them. But it's also, if you get no pressure on the ball, the way Collingwood defend, they try and set up in a way to attack you when they get the ball back. And if there's no pressure on the ball, they can pierce their way through. I, I counted last week against Hawthorne, out of the 16 goals that Hawthorne kicked against them, 11 of them come from Collingwood either not willing to or not willing to man up not wanting to man up or having that 50-50 ball there was a couple where Luke Bruce got some crumbing goals where he had an opponent right beside him and then he went to the back the defender went to the front to try and get a touch and it turns out to be a Luke Bruce goal they're they're little decisions that they would have spoken about this week and during the first quarter, I thought, uh-oh, they, they've spoken about it and they haven't improved it. So this could be a flaw for them and, and they're going to really struggle. But I'm not sure what, what Craig's said to him at quarter time, but their pressure in and around the ball helped that. And then as soon as you get pressure on the ball, you can turn the ball over. Geelong started kicking the ball longer. And then as soon as, soon as that happens... Collingwood are set up with Dacos out in the wing. They, they know as soon as that transition, as soon as that turnover's there, they got the blokes in the right areas to slingshot back and move the ball. And that's that's why they were able to have 29 scoring shots last night is because the intensity around the ball lifted, their turnover game picked up, and then their transition with the blokes in the right spot. And it, it all come down to that, as you said, the, the pressure in and around the ball. So, so the problem,
1: I think, and this is why I made the comment before, regarding this midfield... So. To score from stoppage, you have to clearly win the actual clearance and then you have to win contest after that. So I think Collingwood is still vulnerable to that leapfrog uh, game map, if you like, because they they rush up to the ball to outnumber. So you'll see Darcy Moore get it wrong, get it right. So he'll either intercept or he'll be 3v2 and there'll be someone at the back free, which causes an overlap or or chaos behind the ball. They coughed up five goals from stoppage in the first quarter. Five goals in one quarter of footy. Mm. Now, if that's if that's Melbourne, just, I'm just going to narrow it to Melbourne for the moment because I think Brisbane have got their clearance issues with Ashcroft now not there and Lockie Neal in, in really ordinary form, um, and, and Port Adelaide, they are a spark midfield. They can do it, but they're not as they're not as honest and as brutal and as uh, um, as consistent as Melbourne. So, if it is Oliver Petrarca, Viney doing that to them last night, it won't stop. So the jury's still out for you then, clearly. Well, it, on Collingwood, which is which is half the the excitement for the for mm. the gap of you know the next six eight weeks, it can change quickly. But with no Dacos there, it looks incredibly difficult. Uh, to, uh, different, I should say, um, and I, I'm worried about Penelbury, and I've put that on the table last week. The speed factor there, Dego, he's got to gather. Dego is the wild card in that midfield. that is not quite winning clearance at the moment. Adams can do it. Mitchell can do it, but they're a little bit slow. Mm. They're a little bit one-paced in there, Hodgie, for me at the moment, and it's stark without Dacos.
6: Yeah, well, with the Pendlebury one, I'm, he, he does look a tad off, but that—that's what happens when you get to to that age and and not having a break. Um, I, I have belief that once he gets to the end of home away season, he'll have a week off. He'll be fresher and he won't look that touch behind. But I do agree. It, it was evident last night when Dangerfield was bursting from a stoppage and we thought, oh, geez, hang on, he's back. He looks dangerous. That Scotty did get left a little bit behind. But I, I don't fear for him in, in finals because finals, it seems like it's more of a contested possession style of game and his smarts and composure with the ball will, will stand out.
1: At centre bounce clearance, do you think?
6: Oh, with you can you can hide that with how your position plays, so you don't you don't have him in a position where he's going to have to he get exploited. So at the back of the stoppage, is a not a bad spot because he can sort of sweep, corral, squeeze blokes in, and all he has to do is put pressure on the bloke coming out the front. That's. You, you can hide leg speed in there. You put your fast, agile guys into where the hit zones are going to be, and they can work and, and burst from that. So if, if they are really concerned, they can tweak and, and manipulate his starting position so he's not exploited that way. Um, but I thought, in saying that, Paddy Dangerfield does that to a lot of people. <laughs> when when, when was, he's up in a... What's yeah,
1: that? i say the problem is that Hawthorne did it too. It was eighteen-three last week, and it was guys like Nash, guys like Newcomb. So it's not, not of Dangerfield's level just yet, but, but it's a it's an existing problem for the last three to four weeks why, of footy. So not wouldn't, a why wouldn't
7: they have managed Scott Pendlebury, do you think, Hodgie? Oh, like he's going to be 36 in January, obviously an all-time icon, um, future uh, Hall of Fame legend, you'd think. But why wouldn't they have managed him more in the back
6: end of the season, do you think? Uh, it's it's They've lost two in a row. So when you lose two in a row, you sit here and go, we need our leaders out there. Prior to that loss, he had 28 touches, at Adelaide Oval against Port Adelaide and was really influential. And he's probably sitting there going, I'm feeling good. When you, when you come to that age uh, late in the season, it can hit you pretty quickly that, oh, I do need a rest. But their mindset on the weekend would, uh, last night would have been, we've got Dacos is out. We need Scotty in there just to compose things. If things aren't going our way against a senior Geelong team or experienced Geelong team that he can be there and, and add a little bit for us. So, look, oh, there's no doubt that now that they've secured top two, whether they give him a rest now or they think we'll just get him through to the bye, which is in mm. two more games, and then you'll have his freshen up ready ready for the finals. But I thought they, after that first quarter, Kingy, I th- thought they responded. They still kicked, what, 48 points from from stoppage, from clearance. So they still had their, at times, they looked okay with, with coming out of the out of the stoppage as well. Yeah, well, we we, we Was it as convincing? Was not as convincing as Geelong in that first quarter though?
1: No, I thought I thought Dangerfield was a problem for them all night. I didn't think it was a one quarter thing with Dangerfield. There was there was moments in that was it late third, early fourth quarter where he just he just went to another level and they didn't couldn't go with him. That last quarter is really interesting. I think Collingwood's
2: four goals up. Uh, I wouldn't have given much for Geelong's chances at that stage. They completely dominate the last quarter, and the three goals come from Mm. just critical errors. Hours. The Smith kick that doesn't get to Duncan, the Collegesny hand pass, which is just awful, and then the Radagalia drop mark. What is it, 19 inside 50s to 5, and those three are just... Straight gift goals in and an eight-point game. And
7: they missed some opportunities, some absolute guilt-edged ones at the other end so as Ka- well.
2: Cameron got them to 11, and then did he have the next two shots and they were both yep. behind?
7: He yeah. had a shot to get him within two or three, I think it was. Yeah.
1: five goals, six. And, and of the six points, you felt like all of them were gettable. It, it, it was a late surge that was going to threaten to, to win them the game, and, and that's why I guess in the back of my mm. mind I've got, if that is a, a, a slightly better um, well-oiled machine in Melbourne or even Brisbane... Yeah, um, you know, Port Adelaide, throw up any team you like, you're in a bit more trouble for longer. So this clearance problem and the opportunities that they're going to get from that because of the way Collingwood want to play, uh, you will get some strolling goals. Then, then I I think McCray would be thrilled today to get the win. But I don't think it changes a lot as to where they've been the last few weeks.
7: Maynard it's, was the matchup for Cameron, wasn't it, in the end? Which is a, and I know he kicked a couple from the car park, Jess. But he's, he's kicked 7-4. I mean, he probably should have. Should have and could have would have kicked
6: ten on another night. Well, I think yeah. It started with Maynard. I think with his work rate, physicality might have been able to to keep with Jeremy. But it was moved pretty quickly. Frampton had to go on him, and then at the start of the second quarter, they went to Murphy. It just seemed like it was a coach's box mm. going, "How can we how can we stop this?" But Kingy, what Kingy raised before the, the way you stop it is get on top in the midfield and, and not let the ball just come flying in there because we all know Jeremy Cameron. If the ball hits the deck, he's as good a ground level forward at that height as, as we've seen since probably Bud in his peak.
1: How good a game was it from him? Ah, oh, he's—he's—it just—it just shows you what what elite level talent in in that area of the ground can do for your scoring profile. Like he hasn't been that player for quite a few weeks, and then without Hawkins, he's able to do it. I just feel like Chris Scott would be thinking he's just a little bit stiff to get the wrong injuries at the wrong time this year. Um, so, so Cameron's shoulder is clearly still affecting him. He was he was still banged up last night. He Took a long time to get himself off the ground. A few times he was um, in pain. Clearly he could see the look on his face. So, if Hawkins is out there last night, and more goes down, Geelong win that game. So it's just it's when you play teams, not not who you play at the, at the moment. Um, but that was a special performance. He, he, he cleaned them all up. He cleaned up Frampton. He cleaned. He had more off the off the bit early, um, and the way they play gives him great opportunity. It's just a, it's just a shame he didn't kick ten last night.
6: Is there concerns with his set shot? Because we all know that when he gets the ball and he's rolling around onto that left foot, he's as good a snapper uh, as we've seen for a little bit. But it's almost when he's having that set shot thirty five out, you has, it's almost like he pokes at it because he had, he had three set shots last night that didn't look. Convincing at all, and didn't even look like getting close to, to going through for a goal. But when he gets the ball, in the snapping. So, is that a, is that a bit of a concern when your your key forward, who's as dominant as he is, is going to get a lot of marks inside forward 50, second guesses himself when he's when he's having a set shot.
1: Chris said he just knocks him through. He, mm. he, he practices the warm-up, starting with those, and never misses. So, one, a chinana.
2: Well, the chinana from the
1: yeah. out-of-bounds, the most contentious. That, that was that amazing. That is the
7: most exceptional kick. That was a Mike Gatting. That was the footy's answer to the Mike Gatting it's ball. It's
2: the <laughs> half-banana, half-checkside. Very upright <laughs> in its approach. One way, then the other way. Remarkable. Mm. All right. There was so much in Friday night footy. The pies over the cats. And there's so much more to come in round 22.
8: You're listening to Crunch Time. This is the round twenty-two
2: edition of Crunch Time. The Pies over the cats by eight points last night. A big week of news for Repco authorized service for expert car service you can rely on. Book online at Repcoservice.com. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, Luke Hodge, and David King with you. Shall we do the setup for Carlton and Melbourne fans who are heading to the MCG tonight? The best oh. of intentions to put the Matildas on the big screen. But anyone who knows anything about FIFA knows that this is not quite as straightforward as did best you, intentions. Did you start this, Jeremy? Yeah, but then and we did oh, put the rider in got a lot to that at the for. end FIFA's live sites are not as straight up and down as flicking the telly on.
7: All right. FIFA in the AFL, Jared Kingy, Hodgie, the most unlikely arranged marriage you're ever likely to see. (laughs) So, or cut to the chase here. The AFL have surprised many with their willingness just to do this. I mean, it is a begrudging willingness as well. There's no way they would want this played. But there's a real element of not wanting to shoot Bambi, to be honest. And fair enough, it, it is the right thing to do. But behind the scenes in the last couple of days, the negotiations have been frustrating, bitter, And they certainly got ugly. And the landing spot is this. So the Matildas-France World Cup quarterfinal will be shown on the MCG big screen from its kickoff until Carlton and Melbourne run out onto the MCG somewhere between 7.07pm and 7.10pm tonight. If the game, the soccer game, finishes in regulation time, this is no problem. If it goes to extra time... And then penalties, it will be a big problem. It will then be shown on the 300 odd TVs around the stadium, in the function rooms, in the bars, etc., until it's done. Now FIFA sent the AFL contracts on this that just simply weren't feasible. That FIFA wanted the game showed in full, and even 10 minutes post match as well. The AFL weren't willing to bend on that after already pushing the Carlton Melbourne back uh, game back to 7:30. So FIFA then said, okay, well if you're turning it off the big screen, then you're turning it off everything. And that's when the MCC came in, the Melbourne Cricket Club, and they said, you've got no legal right to do that. Optus control the feed to the big screen, but Channel 7 control the feed to all the other TVs in the stadium. <laughs> so the Melbourne Cricket Club essentially said, well, if you're in your living room, we can put Channel 7 on, and this is our living room, so we're showing it, and you can't stop us. So there's all sorts of commercial partner issues as well. Telstra sponsored the AFL, and as I said, Optus control the feed to the MCG big screen for the World Cup, so that's been a hurdle. Toyota sponsored the footy, Hyundai sponsored the World Cup. So all all the ribbon boards, as they're called, all the LEDs around the MCG will actually be turned off while the World Cup is on. It's going to appear a bit lifeless in there. So the AFL and Kylie Rogers, the league's executive general manager of commercial, they came into this quite late, Jared. I'm told not properly into it until as late as Friday morning. It was Carlton that had been the ones behind the scenes and I think in an ideal world the league would have been privy to it earlier because it's been a fair old mess. But under this jurisdiction, as yes. the home team, they so control the screen. It's
2: really weird. It was when we rang the MCC after Anthony from Richmond put it on the radar, they said, well, Carlton's actually in control of all of that.
7: Well, they sort of and went offline for a while escalated. with their own stuff, and then the AFL had to sort of pull a bit back from there, give a bit back from here. In the end, it's been an absolute saga to get here, and I just hope it's decided, obviously, in regulation, the Matildas win. We all live happily ever after. What sort of scene will we get, though, if its nil is 0-0, 1-1, scores a level, whatever, it goes to extra time. Melbourne and Carlton are in full flow. Do people just can't stop watch They leave their seat and go off and watch it in the small tellies. Do we have a, a roar at a random stage of the third <laughs> quarter when <laughs> Sam Kerr scores
2: the win? I mean, what are we going to get here? It's odd because it's not a night for neutrals. Those who are going are either Carlton or Melbourne supporters. And presumably, they want to watch their teams play. Anyway, for, uh, we did make the reference. For a more In a more simple time, they could just flick the opening ceremony of the Olympics on the big screen at the, at the MCG, and it wasn't a big deal. America's Cup, it, I think, might have been on yeah, historically. it's not as simple a nah. world that we live in nah. anymore.
7: And there are life sites all around the country, of course. We're just talking yep. about the MCG and the, the complexities that sit within, you know, a rival code going head-to-head with it, and the AFL sort of uh, want to do the right thing, but really not wanting to at the same time.
1: It, it's a huge shift. From the, the the men's World Cup, remember we released the fixture yep. the day before to distract the attention to try and gather some yeah. some AFL news ahead of the, the 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 men's World Cup. Yep, that's yeah. true. Well, we're just Massive. in the grip of it.
2: just sort of a, a cultural and national moment. But a whole yeah, a whole have World Cup
1: to do with yeah
2: cross code rivalries. This is this is just something else that so rarely comes along.
1: Well, let's just hope one of the teams is getting smashed halfway through the second. Yeah, same, and and you, can... it, it, you couldn't
7: have the World Cup being played on the big screen. I, I would contend, even without sound, while Carlton and Melbourne are playing, it would just be ridiculous, wouldn't
2: it? Yeah, but I was thinking it's sort of screen in screen. So you could oh, have the, the old main... split screen. Yeah, yeah and just, just have in the corner. Jeez, you have to squint really hard <laughs> to see if. that's
1: that Mary Fowler? Is that. One at each end. Yeah.
2: Anyway, it could be one of those really peculiar, oh, and it could be memorable nights.
7: It could be a night to be at the MCG yeah. for, for very unique reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. So I hope it goes well. Anyway, I hope it all gets tidy up in 90 minutes. Uh, the Aussies advance to the semis. And as I say, we all live happily Will ever after. Will we get
1: the job done, Jared? Uh, well,
2: they are underdogs. I'm just in the mood. Just go with it. Just go, don't even ask the question of should we win? Should we be winning? No, just, let's just go with it and, and hope that there's a get on force board. and a momentum.
6: So you don't, you don't want to yet. talk about the public holiday? No, that,
2: that has <laughs> been an outrage.
6: Well, they're not too happy with that. <laughs>
2: Uh, Righto, so that's the setup for tonight. We're going to talk a lot about that Melbourne-Carlton game um, before crunch time is done as well because it's such a pivotal night in the shape of the season, I think. So um, the retirements that we... This is one of the great group of retirees that's starting to build before us. So the four from this week, and it starts today with Ben Cunnington bowing out for North Melbourne, Luke Shuey, Isaac Smith, and then Trent Cotchin. So maybe, Kingy, you... you give us the pen pick of Cunnington. What he's meant to North Melbourne
1: through this generation as he takes his final bow today. Yeah, he's 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 been exactly what the North Melbourne Football Club is. No, no fuss, just just go, just give us your best. Country football, the playing AFL footy, not here to do any media, just here to play footy, just here for me mates on a, on a Saturday. Not overly interested in preseason. <laughs> probably never <laughs> probably never going to be sharp as day one. Um, and and it'll be a challenge to actually get through that phase of the year but it'll give you everything game day and just wants to play just wants to compete and he, he's much loved and i think he's been overlooked by all australian selectors chronically for years when he was in his, his sweet batch um but but he's he's been one guy that's separated games in short bursts in quarters you know just dominating clearance being that big body and yeah you know, i think we've got a lot to thank been for just that since since the, the 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 cancer battle he just hasn't been the same physical specimen um, but he took us on that journey as well so there's been emotional hooks with this guy and and, and the, the club just love him he'll, he'll go back to the farm I don't think we'll ever see him again I don't think we'll see him at the footy you'll never hear from him but he's just one of the great teammates and one of the great clubmen Hodgie Isaac Smith a contemporary
2: of yours
6: Yes, I was I was shocked. I um I looked at those skinny little legs and the way he's been covering the ground and thought they could go for another two years, three years and I, I saw him last night and gave him a big hug and said, What are you doing? And uh and I thought well, Scotty couldn't convince you to, to stay around. I think Geelong were pretty keen for him but um he he said something that I think we all all know that if your mind is telling you that some parts of your game are dropping away, that you don't wanna fall off the cliff totally. And I, I couldn't argue. Um, I, you're all sitting there going, you want to finish with a little bit in the tank so you're not embarrassing yourself. And and that's, that's his mindset. He felt there's a few things in his game that aren't quite where he wants them to be. And, and to go and commit... To a football club, and that's the kind of person he is. He doesn't want to commit to a football club if he doesn't have the the whole passion, or he doesn't think he can play to a certain standard, and, and keeping another guy out of out of a spot who, who could be developing. So, um, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of the guys that were really shocked that Isaac uh, didn't want to, or didn't feel he could go on. But um, look what what he's done over his 13 years. Uh, he was amazing at Hawthorne where he come in this the selfless stuff he did to to make sure all the other guys in the middle who couldn't run um he covered for us and I'll put my hand up there <laughs> but uh and then the joy to see him go down to Geelong and everyone was sort of saying how can you go down there but the lifestyle he's, he's a country boy at heart um Heading down there with, with Candice, he, he said he, he was that thankful he had the opportunity to go to Geelong. And I think he he wouldn't be able to coach un, a play under another coach. I think how, how relaxed Scotty is and, and what the trust that he gives to the players down there. Isaac absolutely loved his last two years down in Geelong.
2: So what made him special as a teammate?
6: Uh, you didn't know how when, when you go through ups and downs in football clubs and... and we we had some success at Hawthorne, but it's not all always how it looks. There's always a lot of stress, and when your expectations is you got to win, and you lose some games, uh, it's a, it is a roller coaster. He's always been that person who'll come in with a smile. Nothing's always as serious. He, he's a really good balancer for when you look around a football club, and he's he. he was living his dream. And that's what he made a lot of the other blokes who sometimes you get stressed in in what what happens in a football club. He just made it relax. He made the the football club a better better place. And then on the football field... um very similar. When you're stressed and things aren't going your way, you turn around. It goes back to the. It wasn't a great result for us, but good for Geelong when he had that shot after the siren in, in the final in 2016. You look at his face and he's smiling and winking, and people that—that's how he was. It was it was such a pressure kick, but to him, it's it's a game of football that he absolutely loves, um, and he, he was on the MCG in front of 90,000 people um, with the potential to to win a game. So I think that's that's what he brings—just the the love and passion for football—and uh, he brings it out in you.
7: Loved his honesty. How about round 16 SCG? They're on the way there in the team bus, and he looks into the pub, jar and says, you know what, that actually looks all right. <laughs> That's when you know probably the motivation. is just waning a tad.
6: As I said, he's, he's a country boy. I'm pretty sure he'll uh, he'll find himself in a couple of pubs down in Geelong in the off-season.
2: Uh, Trent Cochin, So his career runs in parallel with yours to a great degree, Hodgie, and you've got those similarities of premiership, captaincy, and the like. Is uh so he he is a true modern day great of Richmond.
6: Yeah, I think the big thing with Koch is his career was sorta of in halves of of where he first of all in the first part of his career it was him being the best player he could possibly be. Um he won a Brownlow on that time, he won all Australians, he won B and F's. He was as good a ball getter as you could you could want. And as a captain he was the ultimate professional he um he became a captain really early um, which i think it shows that the professionalism you need as a young kid to to be captain at such a young age and he led really well the the second part of his career he became a better captain than player and that's what resulted in in premierships for the richmond football club when he was younger there was a 50-50 ball he would run to try and receive a handball as he got older he let Dusty do that he let the other blokes, he he let the younger guys do that where he would run to be a defensive person in case that 50-50 ball was lost and that turned the mindset of everyone else around him to realise that if the skippers go into the defence to let someone else get a kick then I've got to do it when it's my turn and then you look at what Jack um, went through as well Jack changed his game so it all started from Koch and and his mindset to, um, to, to change his game and that's why he sits back as a three-time Premiership player.
1: I'm not sure we've had a player change the way Trent has to become this leader for quite some time. I think there's parallels with with Nathan Buckley and Trent Cochin. They were perfectionists from when they arrived. They wanted to be the best they could be and they would do everything thinking that would help the team win, Which is which there's a lot of merit in that. But as soon as they went outside themselves and become better teammates or better leaders, and then you know both on and off field, I think more off field for Trent, to buy into the group, to not be you know absolute preparation, to allow himself to have a couple of drinks with the boys rather than be be diligent to every, you know, dotting every i and crossing every t, that things shifted and the rewards started to flow from a team sense, and then it just got rolling. And I'll, I'll never forget that image of of when he kicked the goal in the grand final and he ran and jumped in the air and Damien harwick saying that that is the moment that he's most proud of. F- through the whole course of his journey at Richmond, that image of Trent, who'd been through so much, he'd been on the same path as Damien harwick the feedback was intense for both of them to lose their job or lose the captaincy or whatever, and we're all part of that. Um, that that moment is iconic for, for, for Damien and for Richmond and we just say well done Brownlow medalist I mean, there's not much more you can do than what Trent's done in the game Luke Shuey so
2: surprisingly there was the option to go on next year he was hoping that there wasn't going <laughs> to be so he had to call his own time a Norm Smith medalist one of the great grand finals 2018 and he's got a winner at after the siren at the end of extra time
1: in a final which is going to be unique for, for a while I think yeah, I I don't know where he sits at West Coast in terms of their their status, and they got some they got some top liners in their their Hall of Fame. Hodgie he'd be right up there that that, that perform on the biggest day to play like that with the margin the way it was. Um, I, I, it's clearly the best rated game we've ever seen in a Grand Final. Was, I think it was mid thirties. It was like a thirty five rated game. So an all Australian level game, all Australian level season is about 15-16 He's gone at 35 for one given game, the biggest game of the year. Just, just huge, Hodgie.
6: Yeah, it is. And I, yeah, I spoke to you this week, Jared, about the, the the sad time at this time of year is when blokes retire and you don't remember them for the players that they were. And, and Shuey falls straight in that into that category. The fact that he played 30 games the last three years, I think a lot of the people remember that they don't... They don't remember that those games and the 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 composure to kick the goal over at Port Adelaide in a final, as you said, Jared, after a, an overtime. Um, he 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 was just one of those blokes who was left foot, right foot, um, and the fact that the West Coast wanted him to play on for for another year shows the importance that he has in and around that football club. But I think he's a little bit like Isaac, the fact that he he doesn't feel that he could go on and and apart from the, his body's let him down. Uh, he, he didn't think he could put himself through uh, another pre-season and, and get the best out of himself. So, it's um, yeah, th- I, I don't like this time of year because there's so many good players that, uh, that you're going to say goodbye to and, and you don't really get to say goodbye to Shuey because of, of his body.
1: Now, now people t- tell me the draft, you know, you, you get the same sort of players around the same sort of areas. So, Melbourne fans, we've got a great mate of ours that we lost recently, always talks about the 2008 draft. Melbourne took, with pick one, Jack Watts. Pick two was Nick Natanui. The next set of picks, Melbourne took Sam Blee's. The next pick, West Coast took Luke Shuey. So those two players just shaping a generational opportunity to win premierships. It's an amazing thing. If we're reading between the lines, does it feel like Nat
2: Nui is going to yeah. retire?
7: So bad things come in threes, you would say, if you're a West Coast fan and a nostalgic one. So obviously Shannon Hearn retires before Shuey. So it's Bunga, Boots, and now is it going to be Nick Nat. And I think we could be, you know, reaching the wrong conclusion, but just listening um, to Trevor Nisbet over an SCNWA during the week, he probably hinted at retirement, but we'll see. Obviously that Achilles injury is a long, long way back from that for, for Nick Nat Nui, which would be a great shame to, to, for him to go. But... Uh, it would appear to be trending that way. But, of course, we'll, we'll hear if we're here in the next few weeks, Jude. And what do you think is happening with Rory Sloan? <sighs> Another one where we had Adam Kelly. They had a football on uh, during the week on SEM Breakfast. And I think if you were listening to that, you'd probably say it's less likely than likely. He clearly wants to play on. He's made no um, made no bones about it. Uh, Rory Sloan made no secret of his desire to play on. Is the contract there, though? So that, that would be the question I'd be asking now. Do they... With where they're at, want him to go on? Is there a place for him to go on? If they decide there is, then he does clearly. And if they don't, then it's going to be a a thanks and and farewell.
1: Take him into the kangaroos in a heartbeat, Mm. Rory Sloan. Sometimes you just need those old leaders to show the way. I I like what Grant Birchall did up north, Hodgie. You're not there to win games, you're there to to educate even yourself. Like to, 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 I don't know, just for a 12 to 18 month period to then transition into coaching. So Hodges not hearing us okay. at the moment. Um, so yeah, we'll I, a look in I think the Gold Coast could look at someone like that. Just an older yeah. player to, to, if he was
7: willing to. If he to, was yeah. look, he loves footy. Yeah. I,
1: I think he'd go anywhere. Mm. Uh, and and maybe maybe he wants to just drift into coaching in the, in the in South Australia. I'm not sure. There probably be opportunities there, mm. but um, you could certainly satisfy him at a club that just needs to learn. He need another development type coach. He's he's been to the to the top of the top of the tree in an AFL sense, and his preparation is first class. Mm.
2: All right, so that that class of retiree that includes Lance Franklin is starting to build almost by the day at the moment. Um, just the length and the toll and the configuration of the season. Kingy, as it's playing out before us. So there are teams who are stumbling to the line at the moment on the physical side of things. We, we just had a private conversation during the week. So we had four compromised weeks with buys this mm. year. Would they, in fact, be better spent round eight, round nine, round 16, round 17, if we're going to have four rounds, actually make give the teams the two buys that the players actually initially asked for? They were given one in the middle and one before the finals. The one before the finals has enhanced that first week of the finals. I now accept that. But it doesn't help the teams in the duration. And now that they're being asked to play 23, yeah, are we? is it is it time for a serious conversation to help with the physical toll so that we're not getting the breakdown at the time where you need
1: teams to be sort of roaring home? Because it gets awkward now, doesn't it? If you want to rest at penalty then and yeah. you finish top and you win first week. There's a lot of weeks off mm. in a short space of time. And you and I were talking, I think the bye would be better served at round eight. And you could split it, you know, five games one week, four weeks and four games the next. So rounds eight and nine you've got you've got less matches and then you've got the fifteen weeks after that, the sixteen weeks. Now if you choose not to rest your players, that's fine. You could have a hard and fast buy, again a second bye, but I think you give clubs a clear runway from there to say you, you manage your own players. That's part of the art of uh, full club winning winning the premiership. So maybe you're more likely to give a staggered approach. You might have three players rest at round 12 and three at round 13 and three at round 15 and not have to worry about having three weeks off in a six-week space because now it's just too late. You, you, you know, Unless you've got an issue, most players are just playing. Like Craig McRae is on record saying, I don't want to manage players. I don't want to rest players. And, and you look at Melbourne, they're, they're trying to bank minutes in the, the last quarter all the time now. I saw their top four stars last week played mm. – Played 50% of the last quarter. So they're managing in-game. So I'm with you. I think the buyers should be pulled forward and just give us a larger block of football in the back half of the season. Could
7: you come at it another way, dare I ask? But In fact, Patrick Dangerfield might have mentioned this with you during the week, Jared. You wouldn't go to 16-minute COVID quarters, but could you just scale it back a couple of minutes a quarter?
2: Yeah. So I Could think, you come to 18? I think you get too much blowback on that. So I was just thinking through, what's the solution for the next few years when we're going to have 23 games and 24 rounds before mm. we get to Tassie? And that doesn't cause rancor. So we already have four rounds that are being nobbled. Yep. So just use them better. Mm. You know, two, two at the front end. at the one-third and then at the two-thirds of the way through the season.
7: So these are all being thrashed out at the moment, obviously, with the CBA right at its pointy end. And Thursday Night Football, we're going to see more of that. That's going to complicate things further as well. Gather round, we're locked in for another three years. So these are all things at the moment that the the
2: PA and the AFL are wrestling with. Hodgie's back with us. Do you you have any... Is your antenna up for the length of the season for the player toll right now?
6: Um... No, I, I'm a big one for seeing the stamina of players. And I know people, it's a long season. I find that it shows professionalism, it shows resilience, it shows blokes who can push through pain barriers to, to get the, the most out of them late in seasons. And I know that we fell short in a couple of years because we mentally weren't ready for it. We gave up too easy. And I understand coaches saying players are fatiguing. That's It's not an easy game. AFL is not an easy game. And and I can understand where... We're, People are saying with that, but I, I like the the length of the season. I, I like it longer because you see the guys that that have put the work in over the pre-seasons. You can see the guys that have had pre-season after pre-season that it gets to late in the season and they're still running on top of the ground. They're still looking fit because of the way they've looked after themselves, the work that they put in through the through the hard months of of summer, when everyone else some blokes are taking it easy. The blokes who have done all the hard work are the ones who are normally playing the best football later in the year, and, and that's why I, I, when you hear people say, oh, "I want a shorter season," I'm, I'm, a, I prefer to keep it the way the way it is, and, and just see the blokes are willing to push through that pain barrier. Yeah, so
2: I don't. See, we, we've got a longer season. I think you can maintain the longer season. You can just build in mm. the, the welfare breaks along the way. I think. But that's anyway. Uh,
1: we've mentioned this before, but. Do you think we'd ever put a cap on the amount of games individual players can play? No, I don't. Yeah,
2: because it sort of runs counter. It runs counter to everything we believe mm-hmm. in the sport and what Hodges just articulated. It, it there. Probably,
1: you probably, we hate the idea you can go to an NBA game and the stars aren't playing. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. So I think. So what? What's the simplest solution that offers no ructions or rancor? And I actually think that I think that's it is two buys within the home and away. Just to give you the chance at the in the final twenty third game that you are playing to still be somewhere near the optimum. So,
7: so two buys in season, and you, I know you would say do away with the pre finals. No, buy. no, that's fine. The so pre finals buy is fine. Is that for the finals teams yep, to be a third it, buy?
2: It has been shown to enhance what happens in the first week of the finals. So I've dropped my opposition. Oh, yeah, there. I didn't yep. know that. I'm it's only because on we already have four compromised rounds. I just don't think we need them four together. We just go a two here and two
1: there. Mm. So it's it, not actually it
2: changing anything in the fixture. It's just a better allocation of those. It,
1: it has shifted, the, it changed the finals dramatically, the pre-finals by. Yeah, it has. Dramatically. For the better? I don't know for the better. I think that in, in what Hodgie was just saying, then if you've worked hard to finish mm. top four, then I think all the favours should go to you.
7: But I think Port Adelaide will benefit. Port Adelaide, they may or may not. They look sore. They look tired to me. I think they'll benefit as much as anyone in the pre-finals by, and they've probably earned the
2: right too. I think Collingwood
6: if, if look yeah, at from here too. If you look at the pre-finals by, I, I'm not a fan of it, just the fact that if you go through, you finish on top of the ladder, you win the first game, you play one game in 28 days going into a prelim final. And that's just not the correct build-up. The prelim final is almost the hardest game of the year. And... Yeah, you build up to his one game in 28 days. That I'm not a fan of it. I prefer to push the pre-finals by to post-prelim before the grand final. So if there is a concussion, that all team, all players get a rest. And if there's a concussion, that bloke's not going to miss because of it.
2: I think these are conversations that are, are worth having with those who are making the decisions. If Josh Marnie's planning to go to the AFL, do you think he would have looked at last night and gone, oh, that'd be my portfolio. So <laughs> Just... Do I really want that portfolio? <laughs> <laughs> Welfare check, Josh Marnie. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, they're interested in him, Jared, in a few potential roles, not just that one. But he's left without a job to go to, so it's not yet his if he wants it. He just he was open. He needs a reinvigoration, a change. Been bat- battering away there for a Would while. Would
1: he now. do the Dennis Denudo role? Do you think, Jared? <laughs>
2: I'd be interested to say, nah, that's out of bounds. We all saw it. Mm. It was out of bounds. (laughs) The news of the week for Repco Authorised Service, Penrite Oil and your local Repco Authorised Service. Uh, We'll delve into Melbourne and Carlton in particular, such a source of fascination tonight at the MCG, coming up next on Crunch Time.
8: and innovation powering DIYers all day, every day. Visit Berwick GWM Havel and test drive the GWM Canon CC. Part of the Berwick Motor Group. The Round 22
2: edition of Crunch Time. Friday Night Footy saw Collingwood beat Geelong by eight points. We're about to look into today's game for the TAC. Don't use your phone illegally while driving. TAC might be one of the key markers of this season with Carlton and Melbourne, the two informed teams right now, playing. Just before we do, a couple of the other topics from the week. The the Patrick Dangerfield AFL Commission kerfuffle. Yes. He cleared that up for you. Yes.
7: It was yep. always going to be the devil in the detail, wasn't it, as to the yep. context.
2: So the only way to ever get something like that up would have been with you'd have to get unanimous club support and there was no there was no level of canvassing that had been done. So it feels like a thought bubble, mm. which then... And the only person who ever gets hurt in these things is the the person being courted, which is dangerous. So you wear all the flack for something that... And You have no control over and wasn't your idea in the first place. Mm. I
7: mean, in retirement, it stands as a, a great appointment, doesn't it? In season, uh, and never mind the AFLPA, but that could have been, he could have left the AFLPA and joined the commission, but I still think as captain of an AFL club, there is just simply no way that could ever, ever work. Ever, could
2: it? Yeah, so it's about time the um, nominations committee got busy, isn't it? Oh,
7: they've got two spots to fill. Why it's taken so long is, is, be, is beyond me, to be honest. And I'd probably uh, contend just worry about getting ahead of football in the door first before you're worrying about the, <laughs> who's, who's the final two seats <laughs> of the commissioner. But that's just me, anyway.
2: Yeah, it's you can walk and there's sort of uh, different offices of power. It's, this is there's mm. there is a nominations committee that is in place with yep. five serving presidents.
7: What's well, taking so long?
2: But do, go and do the business and then the executive can hire their head of footy. <laughs>
7: Well, they're pretty quick to come out and say no to Dangerfield, weren't they? I was the yeah, couldn't come up quick enough to say that's outrageous. But we're, yeah, we're, well, where's the give us the other idea then? The other names, the other there'd be plenty of people. I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory either that it has to be the AFL can be so insular at times. But why can't why can't they? Why can't they appoint a well-credentialed person from from outside? Well,
2: they can, but they are lacking football they are. knowledge.
7: Well, then there's a glut of those people uh, available as well. So is. I know Lee Matthews, but Andrew Weiland, I cannot believe, unless he doesn't want to join, I cannot believe hasn't already been. Um, and I know he's got some things he needs to clear up uh, as well on, on his side of the coin, but he would be a, an unbelievably good appointment.
2: Did the trade period lose another key plank with yeah, Tom Yeah, I
7: was shocked shocked that uh, that he's told West Coast that he was going to stay. Sydney came so hard. And the
2: industry view was he was 100%, definitely going to Sydney.
7: A hundred percent. And you could say, well, and I actually think it would have served West Coast well as well. It's a bold move. We've spoken about their retirements already, but there's not many players on that list for currency, with currency. So if you're looking to fast track an inevitable, and at this stage you would, you would argue potentially long and painful rebuild, then what a great tool. Been a great servant. You've won a premiership with him. He's done everything he's been asked. You get something back from the other way, and he gets a chance later on in his career as well to do something. So I was surprised. But he's contracted, of course, for another four years, I think it is. So it's a a big deal. But um, Sydney, uh, that was the second time they've come from pretty hard as well, and it doesn't get them out of their situation. that They seriously need key defensive support. So now we go back to the likes of Ben Mackay, Sarvareta Galea. It is a market, if anything, at the moment for the key back. If you're a key back out of contract, then you're in the right spot.
2: And just share the Ashley Sampy story of the <laughs> Glenn Denning medal. Well, it was a footy to folklore,
7: this one. The Western Derby of 03. Uh, an easy win for West Coast at the time. You know, five and a half goals or whatever it was. But it was what happened afterwards. The Ross Glenn Denning medal was only known then at the time. The five judges came back. Ashley Sampy, an overwhelming choice for best of field. It wasn't until Ross himself got out on the ground and read the votes and thought, bugger this, this medal's named after me. I'm giving it to Michael Gardner. Now, it didn't bother Ashley Sampi at the time, of course, but he has spoken repeatedly over the years that while it didn't then, it has afterwards. He was last year diagnosed with MS. He's a father. He's a husband. And a great thing happened this week out west in their pre-derby function. 20 years later or whatever it is, more than Ashley Sampe finally recognised with what is now known as the Glendinning Allen medal. Ross was there to give it to him. At a pre derby function on Friday well, it was yesterday. So I thought that was a special moment. It clearly meant a lot to Ash Sampy. And I think it was great that they've tidied up that little that
6: little loose knot. Yeah. Do you think it's still amazing that he, <laughs> <laughs> he just changed it? Yeah. I, the medals named after me. The process that we put in place of getting three or four or five uh, media performers or coaches or people who, to sit back and judge it. No, nah, they're irrelevant. <laughs> I'm bigger than what they are and, and I'll change the vote. But at least it's it's good that Sam's got, the, got it in the end after a long 20-year wait to, to finally receive the medal.
1: How many times has Diesel rang the AFL about that Brownlow in 93? <laughs> The, the yes. Diesel would have in and said, hang on, while we're squaring yeah. up medals, yeah. yes. Wengenang got three votes. <laughs> <laughs> He'd have a case. Yeah.
2: And now we just have to sort out the Marissa Tomei Oscar, which I think also falls into <laughs> oh, that yeah. category somewhere. There's
7: a, right, there's a segment in this. Hello. <laughs> Retrospective <Medals missed>. corrections. <laughs> All right.
2: Our Saturday previews for the TAC mobile phone detection cameras are now operating. A message from the TAC. How red-letter a game is this, particularly for Melbourne, with Oliver coming back, and Grundy gets the first look at the vacant forward position.
6: Yeah. Well, Kingy, you said early in the early in the piece where you wait for, for something to, to evolve and, and Collingwood threw how forward as that was their, this is what's going to give us that little bit of difference. Petty was the difference. You, you sit back and go, hell, how crucial is Petty? Um, I feel that the Melbourne coaching staff knew what, how they wanted to play. Grundy wasn't in their sights. He knew they knew their forward structure. They knew what they wanted to do. That to give them their best run. They've won five in a row. Uh, all of a sudden, he gets injured, and now they're forced back into what are we doing next? Yes, we've got Oliver coming back in. That was always going to be a, uh, a move as soon as he was fit enough, ready to go. But this is this is a big one. This is this is huge for Melbourne to see. Can they put Grundy in here and have have an impact? We saw early in the year that. That it wasn't the case, and, and they're not going to go back and do Grundy and Ruck and put Maxi Gorn back forward. The Grundy's going uh, to, is going to have the main time in the Ruck. Grundy will be have to be played as a as a majority forward, and then pinch it when Maxi goes off. So this is this is huge for Melbourne, and you're looking at Carlton. I, I don't think I've ever seen a team lose seven from eight games, and the only team they beat in that patch. Was West Coast by one hundred and eight points, and then all of a sudden turn it around and, and win seven in a row. What what they've done the last seven weeks, the convincing footy they've played, the change of ball movement, it's uh, it's building up for an absolute massive game of football tonight.
1: This will be two like two old goats just butting heads until one just in the end gives up. Jared, they're as tough as teak. These two teams, I love them. I think that uh, I don't I don't think that Melbourne are too fussed about. Uh, their offensive game, their game on attack. They've worked on trying to find the perfect mix, but they are a contest and defence first team. That, that That is the priority. I look at Carlton the last six weeks. The biggest change in their game, and we showed some vision the other night of Patrick Cripps, the violence, the absolute violence at clearance is the change. So they're number one the last six weeks at getting a one clearance on the scoreboard, and they're number one at denying the opposition when they win a clearance, allowing them to get it on the scoreboard. So one and one is is the greatest stat that Carlton can have. So they, they are, they are I think, in the best uh, form of anyone in the competition right now. They sit outside the top four. So this is the ultimate test, really. If if they are the team we all think they are, I know they're, they're missing um, some players and they'll probably get better as the season rolls on. But if they are the team we think they are, they win the night. They win. Because Melbourne have, have got a find a way to work Oliver back in he's not going to hit the ground running tonight he's been out for quite some time what does what does the inclusion of Oliver do to Petrarca is what I'm watching is he 70% forward is he 50-50 what is he I still think he's their best forward um, so they're the sort of things we're looking for I'm not, I'm not too fussed about Grundy I don't think he'll have a massive impact Hodgie as a forward, so I think the Petrarca minutes are what I'll be watching. Just
7: on Grundy then, is this a one and done? Is this his one chance, Hodgie? If he if he plays nine and it doesn't work, is that is that it? They haven't got time to persist? They'd look for something else?
6: Well, I think they're running out of options. King, I uh, uh, disagree a little bit with the fact that you, you reckon they're not worried about their, their forward structure. I reckon that's the part that they're worried about the most. They're, they're always going to be... You're spot on with their their bulls in and under, Petrarca, what he can do, Viney's in there, Oliver will suit back in, Maxi Gorn's going to be the number one ruck, as he has been since Grundy moved out. I reckon their biggest focus or biggest conversation in that match committee is their forward structure because we've seen over the last 18 months that they can, they've can. they got a solid defence, they've got a really good midfield, they've really lacked with that motion going forward with the ball connect to, it, to a key forward. They've gone through Petty, Brown, McDonald, Grundy, Fritch is out as well. I reckon the biggest headache for the Melbourne Football Club. And now that Petty's gone out, where he was their saviour, he was a person who they threw from down back to forward and, and finally got a, some results for it. I reckon this is where they're sitting back, scratching the head, going, What can we do to fill that void? Because no matter who we've put in, that hasn't been able to be filled. Yeah, there's no
1: doubt they're spinning some magnets through there trying to find an answer. But they're not, they're not going to win the flag because of offence, they're just not. They're going to win. It's,
6: a, it's hard to win a granny without offence.
1: Well, they've defended their way <laughs> through the last three years of footy pretty well. Their back six is where they spent all their finance. They've gone and got May and Lever, and now they've got the answer with Smith in behind May, allowing him to play a little bit higher. They, they, they win games on defence. They they're not looking to rip, tear and bust. It's just not a priority for them. Of course you want to score. Every team wants to score. But... I don't think that Brodie Grundy playing at full forward or whoever that full forward is, is going to be the difference between Melbourne winning or losing the 23 premiership. It'll be off contest and defence.
6: Is, is that is that where we sit back and go chasing Grundy, even though it looked exciting at the time, should they have not thrown the cash towards Grundy and, and chased a, a key forward to, to fill the void that they've really struggled with?
1: I don't think there was a lot of options. I mean, who was available? were There weren't a lot of tall forward options. What what's
2: what would Grundy need to do tonight to be the forward mm. pillar? They they clearly want to stay structurally with that at least until Fritch returns. So what would what's uh, what's par for him to have filled the hole?
6: If I if I was a Ford coach at Melbourne, I'd be telling him to create as many contests as he can. He doesn't have to kick five goals. What I want to see from him is. Making a contest, bringing the ball to ground for his small forwards to get work in. If they can't, if their small forwards can't get it and kick out, then they'll get stoppages. And Kingy already mentioned before how good they are at stoppages. So I don't think we'll rate. I don't think they're rating his game on on hitting the scoreboard. It's about what he can create. Whether he gets marked against, whether he gives away free kicks. They just want him to to compete, be someone up there who can give the small forwards down there an opportunity to to do what they do. And if they can't get a secondary stop stoppage, and then let their midfielders go to town because, as, as King said, the defence is loaded, their midfield's loaded. They just need someone to to contest down there and, and try and have an impact um, just so the ball isn't walked out of their forward 50 like it has been throughout the last 18 months. He has to be a reference
1: point. So he has to be, and this is not a strong suit of his, he has to stand under a high ball And ensure that ball comes to ground and let Cosie and all the smalls go to work, which they've been really good at the last couple of weeks. That's been the big shift in their forward line. Not necessarily their tools, but if it doesn't work with Grundy, they've got McDonald, who's two weeks away. Mm. So he he will be the nominal full forward, but, but he's a different sort of player again. All right, so who are you tipping in this game for Tyre Right
2: with over 25 tyre brands, steer, drive, trailer, and more? Tyre Right, no tracking worries, tyreright.com.au. Oof.
1: Good work, Jared. Yes, I mean, uh, that's a good read. Yeah, <laughs> but I well, learned well. my lesson last Gee. week on that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> good afternoon, boy, Alistair Lynch. Boy, oh, boy. Um, <laughs> now, I've just got too much faith in Melbourne to, to be tipping against them. But if if Carlton are ever going to make a statement, it's tonight. O.G.
6: Yeah, I'm leaning towards Melbourne. But even though Kingy's gone, Melbourne he's he was very convincing with the the midfield from Carlton, which started to make me scratch my head. But uh, I think Melbourne will be too strong. There, I said their only issue is what we've just spoken about: is can they kick enough? Uh, with the, hit the scoreboard uh, with, with the ins and outs of what they have in that forward line.
2: Tyre Right tips brought to you by Tyre Right for best roadside tyre emergency. Call 1-800-138-168. Luke Hodge and David King with us on Crunch Time.
9: Available after 10.30am for a limited time
8: You're listening to Crunch Time, time. Zito Power Tools German design quality and innovation Powering DIYers All day, every day Visit Berwick GWM Havel And test drive the GWM Canon CC Part of the Berwick Motor Group
2: Crunch Time of the most intriguing round 22 Before we delve a little further Let's have a dabble with Josh Jeans
8: It's time to
7: say hey to the social bet with dabble Josh Jeans has joined us for a banter and a bet.
8: Go on, have a dabble. You win some, you lose more.
9: Thanks, Jared. Plenty happening on the Dabble app. The live streams have been a huge success. You can tune in at most nights and uh, catch some of the action as we try and find some winners. They'll be doing that today. But uh, also on the banter channels, he's big game tonight. Blues, the Blues Army is going off in the AFL banter channel. And uh, the D supporters questioning whether they'll go with the two Ruckman during the finals.
0: Well, you're right there, Josh. The biggest recruit of the off-season was Grundy leaving the Pies, being pushed out of the Pies, going to Melbourne. It didn't quite work for most of the first half of the year. Was dropped, been playing reserves the last few weeks, but has come back in this week. It's an interesting one because Max Gorn went to another level when he wasn't there, so I can't see them playing two Ruckman unless injuries, um, they'll play two Ruckman in the finals. How
9: would you feel being Grundy? You know, one club goes, we don't want you. You know, we signed you on a big deal. You're not worth it anymore. We're still paying your contract. Now the other club doesn't really want to have him in the team.
0: Yeah, well, it happened to me. But one club didn't want me, so they traded me. And then one club didn't want to give me another contract. So that was that was uh, the end of Heath Shaw's career. But Paul Grundy is still a very, very good player. That's that's the difference there.
9: Uh, let's focus on that game tonight anyway. Carlton taken on the Ds. Tough one. Rain potentially happening tomorrow at the G. I've gone over 151 and a half points. So, Stephen May, I think the ball might be down there a bit. 15 plus disposals. Christian Petrarca will push forward more now that Clary's in there. Two plus goals for me.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a very, very safe bet there, Josh. Well done. <laughs> uh, I'm going with Melbourne for the match winner. I know Carlton are in great form, but I'm going Melbourne just to win. Kazai Pickett, two goals, which will suit him if it's a, a little bit wet to there down the forward line. And Ed Langdon, who can run all day on that wing, I'm going to put him down for 20-plus disposals. And I'll
9: tell you what, we've actually been going all right. We've been rotating winners of multis week for week, so we're doing okay. And, of course, you can copy those bets with one click. Download the Dabble app, follow Crunch Time AFL, and hit the copy bet button. Back to you, Jared.
3: See trending bets from
7: profiles like Heath Shaw, Dane Swan, The Bev Show, and plenty of others. Get following Crunch Time and have a dabble. Go on, have a dabble. You win some, you lose more. For free
8: and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au
2: I've got David King to get the calculator out. (laughs) So what I'm most, most interested in tonight is, so Grundy's coming back to play forward, but what impact does it have on Gorn's ruck minutes?
1: So he's played four hundred and fifty-five minutes of the last four weeks. He's played four hundred and fifty of them in the ruck. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, if he's out there, he's in the ruck too. Yeah. So I, I think they'll manage Max. So that's what Grundy can less do. Less game time tonight. I think you, if they can get the game put away, you can get a four-goal margin early. Then I think you'll see Max for long stints on the bench, and then Grundy can play ruck, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't really affect it too much. Manage Max. Don't get if Max gets injured, that's the only disaster. So you can't have him rucking that volume mm. for the last six weeks of the season.
7: Limped into the finals last year, yeah, didn't he? So. One,
1: one injury away, away from disaster, you've mm. got to minimise against that that mm. risk.
2: This is such an intriguing set of games. It's sort of pick your poison a little bit. Leon Cameron thinks North's emotional uplift could beat Essendon this afternoon, so that's unnerving Oof, for gee. Bombers fans. Has
1: Leon seen us lately?
2: <laughs> the Swans. <laughs> Against the Suns. So, Sydney have finally got some momentum going. And they could take a big step towards grabbing a, a place low down in the eight. Brisbane have been untouchable at home. They get the Crows. Um, the Crows are without a lot of their defensive unit. Probably wouldn't think so, but there
1: is a school of thought. Hawthorne and the Bulldogs oh, is really interesting.
7: Banana peeler, that one, for the Dogs, isn't it? That is a fascinating game.
1: But they've they got Jones and Richards back now. Mm. They're a different team with Jones. It sounds ridiculous, but they're a they're a three goal better team with Liam Jones down back. They lose Johansson, Just sort of just a little bit untimely on that front. Tassie Hawthorne,
6: Hawthorne do love playing down there as well, though. Yep. Where's the upset? Nice spaces.
1: Where's the upset this round? There'll be there'll be one yeah. minimum.
2: So St Kilda Richmond. Richmond are better stocked, but so too are St Kilda, who finally have King and Membry playing in the same team. Port Adelaide, they've got a lot of players coming back, but the Giants have got this freakishly good record at Adelaide Oval. And ruck dominance. They'll yeah. have ruck dominance tonight.
1: That's a big starting point.
2: Mm. I think they are such an interesting set of games.
1: Tipping's been a disaster, hasn't
2: it? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and You could <laughs> but, get a glut of teams who are all relying on each other. It's one of those weekends where they could all lose together, and they go, oh, just if one
1: of us had won. Dwayne Russell's going to win the tipping competition here. By, mm-hmm. by, by by minimum five, and do you know
2: what happened?
7: And he
1: put him in at the start of the yes. season. And he did <laughs> him at once. <laughs> that, that, that shows yeah, how at, stupid the
2: year is. As such, a, that is such an interesting measure and study. <laughs> if, if
6: you looked, at, I think it was around twenty. It took the, the eighth game, the Richmond Melbourne game, for me to get my first tip. <laughs> yeah. that was where we had all those upsets.
7: Yes, <laughs> and everything you need to know is that we crowned our SCN survivor last week. So yeah. a month out before the end of the season, where our lone survivor was. was and annoyed. so that's
2: where we are, thanks to Berwick Motor Group, home of the GWM Cannon range. In all of that, you have to pick me a certainty to
1: survive. I think the Swans are a certainty. I think they're, they're playing pretty good footy. Unless Miller can do a job on Goulden, uh, who's making a charge for the Brownlow late, then I think the Swans will win and win well. And the Suns have this silly good
2: record against the Swans at the SCG as do, well, yes. just to mitigate it all.
1: <laughs> Wish I had thought of that before.
6: Hodgie? <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to go to the lines. They haven't lost a game at home this year, so Adelaide a little bit underdone. Um, I think the Lions would be too strong. Yeah,
2: yeah. So the the Lions and the Swans. So that's today's action, the afternoon.
1: And Did you give us a Carlton Melbourne selection. Ah uh, no, no. You don't do selection. No. <laughs> <laughs> what? When's this been a policy? <laughs>
2: no, I try not to.
7: It's an unwritten it it one. Well. Really? Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: How long have you been able to get away with this for? Clearly, long, 22 weeks.
6: How was it taking this long for us to realise? What's going on here?
2: Thanks to the Berwick Motor Group, <laughs> oh, 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 GWM oh, and, wow. wow. and Test Drive, the GWM Canon CC, part of the Berwick Motor Group. It's amazing. Saturday of footy coming up. You'll hear it all on AFL Nation North and Essendon. Sydney and the Gold Coast, Brisbane and Adelaide. It might be the tree fall in the forest game. Will anybody have seen it? Carlton and Melbourne. Who wins, Jerry? And the Eagles and Fremantle, the Matildas. <laughs> <laughs> the Matildas Football Spring. will be the winner on the right, night. Right, right from the heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so looking forward to seeing how that pans out at the MCGT. Luke Hodge, thank you.
6: Thank you, guys. David Merci. King,
2: terrific. you, boys. All right, so it's all there on the podcast if you missed the early stuff, particularly if you're a Collingwood fan. Who's been raging. The AFL conceded you one error, but not the second. <laughs> so I'm standing with their up. Stand by your man. Have a good Saturday.